welcome to the show, Gary. How's it going, Will? Pretty good. How are you today? Pretty, pretty nervous for this. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. Yeah, it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you define yourself as a democratic socialist. So mm-hmm. these days, um, socialism has so many meanings. Like, I guess some people say wearing a mask is socialism. Others say the USSR. So what does that democratic socialism mean to you? Well, first of all, uh, the U.S. is run on a, a system called democratic capitalism, which is strange because most most uh, developed countries out there are uh, de- democratic socialists. And what democratic capitalist um, does is that it creates monopolies, allows countries who, or not countries, allows companies to buy smaller countries and just basically control the entire economy. Look at Facebook. That's they're doing that right now. Mm-hmm. And um, definitely. And that's gonna that's creating a huge wealth gap. It allows the rich to be super super rich, while the poor to be stuck at that income level. So what democratic socialism does is um, it brings everyone to a fair and uh, equal playing field for everyone to start at the same place. Okay, that's an interesting description. So these days, um, there's typically two sides in American politics: the right and the left. The right is more conservative, and the left kind is kind of sort of leaning towards. Socialism and right now, I guess the right uh, for the right at least socialism kind of viewed as some evil system, some system where people will just be lazy, everything will be handed to them, there will be like success will be taxed and stuff, and it's just like a horrible word like just socialism is horrible. And if leaders like President Trump or senators like Ted Cruz can market, uh, can like market a candidate to be a socialist, then that candidate is kind of screwed. So I guess the right just views socialism as evil. So how can we change that perspective on the right? Well, I think uh, right-wing politicians are kind of using socialism and radical left as kind of buzzwords to <laughs> just as a shock factor to um, its audience. But look at the company or um, countries and politicians lie to us. Uh, look at North Korea. They market themselves as the Democratic Republic of North Korea, and that has nothing to do with democracy. And look at China, they market themselves as the Repu- People's Republic of China, but right now it's, not, it's doing nothing for the people. And I think socialism uh, has been branded really neg- negatively toward, um, since, ever since the uh, Cold War, when you know, everyone was really afraid of socialism and communism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, for sure. And yeah, how... These days, there's no, sorry. Oh yeah, but yeah, socialism kind of viewed as some term that violates freedom. And you're right that a lot of politicians can lie about it. Like, for example, Joe Biden was kind of marketed as a socialist, and he's obviously not. On the political spe- mm-hmm. spectrum, he's probably close to the center. So, yeah, I would agree yeah. that, I guess, radical leftists and socialism are kind of buzzwords. And mm-hmm. so how can we kind of, like, change that perspective, though, and make the right seem like, oh, socialism isn't that bad, or socialism can work, especially democratic socialism? Uh, I just say teach them the facts. I don't think any... Like right, right wing follower has seen the facts of what socialism can do. They just care about preserving uh, capitalism. They don't want the country to change, but it needs change. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. And I guess a lot of right wing pundits or politicians will point at countries where socialism has failed. And like you said, these countries like North Korea and China have not used, I guess, the best form of socialism or Venezuela. <laughs> and then you can take other countries like the developed world, for example. Every other country except the United States has Medicare for all. And I guess Medicare for all and Bernie Sanders in general are just marketed as socialism. So I guess we can point to the facts and point to other countries that have adopted some of these policies, especially 
universal basic income is also seen as socialism. And Alaska has adopted that. We'll talk about that more later. And mm -hmm. Medicare for all. Every other country in the developed world stopped that. Um, last time I checked, Great Britain and Japan are doing pretty well. So, yeah, democratic socialism can work. So, I guess let's go on to a topic a universal basic income. So, you are a supporter of Andrew Yang, who his number one policy was the freedom dividend. Sorry, the freedom dividend. So, do you want to explain that real quick? Yeah, I, I loved Andrew Yang. I, I loved his policy of the UBI system. It was unique and special. So what Yang uh, what Yang's plan was to um, was to basically uh, give everyone money free money. Uh, his plan was to give I think around two thousand dollars a month to all citizens, and I think that this would lower the unemployment rate, uh, raise or lower the poverty rate, and just provide a morale and eco economic boost to the whole country. Mm -hmm. So there's two big problems with that though that I guess people on both sides will point at. So first of all, how do we pay for something like that? Like $2,000 a month for all Americans. There's like, what, 300 million Americans. So how, how, can, how can we possibly afford something like that? Cutting funds from current departments and getting collecting taxes from corporations. Uh, look at the, look at the um, what's it called, military budget. It's hundreds of billions of dollars a year. And um, if we deduct that even just a tiny bit, we would have we would raise the money to do um, to have a UPI system and more. And also, Fortune 500 companies, most of them don't pay any federal taxes. Look at Amazon, Whirlpool, DTE. Yep, zero they didn't dollars pay. in federal taxes, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess another argument I've heard from Andrew Yang is that it's going to replace welfare. So if somebody's already being like I don't know five hundred dollars a month from welfare. They're not going to get another extra two thousand dollars, which that's going to save them a lot of money, because it's just going to replace welfare, and also that money is going to go back into the economy, right? Like they're giving a thousand dollars a month to every person, or two thousand dollars. They're using that money to buy groceries, or to go to go out to eat, or etc., which is going back into the economy. So there's a lot yeah. more affordable when you compare it to other departments, like the military, for example. You also, mm -hmm. yeah. So I think it's actually very affordable. And that's kind of leads to another point. Like a lot of the things the left wants to do in America, like the Green New Deal or Medicare for All or UBI, they're all marketed as way too expensive and they'll never get done. So I think they're a lot more affordable than people think, in my opinion. Wait, yeah, but if the right says that, you can just say, look at look at the look at the military spending. We don't need that much firepower. We're not on the brink yeah. of war or anything. Yeah, the yeah. United States has like an absurd. Um, military. Yeah, well, you compare it to all other militaries. We don't plan on like starting a war randomly anytime soon. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, unless we have George Bush back in the presidency. But anyways, so how will a universal basic income work? So you said that it works. They have some sort of universal basic income system in Alaska. Do you want to explain how that works and how what went well, what hasn't? Yeah. So. Um... Well, Alaska has a system where citizens give anywhere from $1,000 to $2,000 a month. And that was originally started because um, they had an oil pipe system that ran through Alaska. And um, Alaska wanted the, their citizens to have enough money in case that, uh, in case they ran out of oil, which is kind of confusing, but it's the general gist of it. And, um, you know, Alaska is filled with mostly Republicans. Yeah. Uh, and when, yeah, when uh, a person ran for governor, they had a policy where they would give uh, everyone even more money, and he won by a landslide. So that shows that Republicans can get used to the idea of UBI. They just haven't experienced it yet. 
Yeah, another thing about kind of Republicans and conservatives is that a lot of conservatives oppose big government. Like that's one thing they kind of reject that big government is like suspicious and universal basic income would obviously expand the power of the government. But I've also seen a lot of conservatives who actually support Andrew Yang's policies of universal basic income because they address problems that no other politicians are really addressing. And the biggest one is automation. Like we're going to lose a millions, millions of automation jobs just in the next decades. They've already lost yeah. millions of manufacturing jobs in the Midwest. So do you want to explain how you think UBI could be a solution to automation? Automation is really a serious problem in the country. Uh, more and more jobs are getting replaced. Even like hamburger, hamburger makers are getting replaced by robots. But I think the UBI system, uh, when given $2,000 a month to every citizen, that will increase uh, the education level because people can actually afford college now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will give them extra money to spend on groceries, uh, healthcare, a home, just all the essentials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess universal basic income is probably the best proposal I've seen that actually combats automation. And like, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that like we're going to lose millions of automation jobs just in the next decades. For example, one of the mm-hmm. biggest industries, the truck driving industry, um, that's truck driving is the most common job in like 29 states. So, and the technology is already here for uh, self-driving trucks. We just need to, I guess, transition them into society. But yeah, the technology is already here. It's just over the horizon. So it's really scary yeah. stuff. Another problem with all this is that Washington, D.C. is basically dysfunctional right now. Nobody can get anything done. So how can we possibly pass a bill like universal basic income? Like how would that work? We can, we can barely pass a stimulus bill or in Washington DC right now, how are we gonna be able to pass a bill that's so largely universal basic income or the freedom dividend? Uh, yeah. So obviously under Trump, we're not gonna pass anything there. Mm-hmm. Congress is treating Trump like a lame duck. But um, under Joe Biden, uh, so when President uh, Obama wanted to pass a Medicare for all bill, the Obamacare bill, he poured the country in a bus, like gathering public support for his bill. He, he talked to citizens and citizens just like trying to be friendly. And I think if Biden does the thing, same thing, it will work because in Obama's case, when the citizens agreed with him, when the citizens heard them out, the congressman followed because that's their job to listen to what the citizens say. So if Biden somehow manages to convince the majority of the population that UBI is good, the congressman will have no choice to follow. That's interesting that you say that because actually on election day, Fox News released some polls about just uh, politics in general. And polls tend to lean Democratic, but the Fox News base is obviously conservative. so safe to say that these polls are more accurate. Of course, polls are never completely accurate, but a lot of polls are saying, from Fox News, we're saying that a majority of Americans want a government-run health care system, or a majority of Americans want stricter gun control rules and stuff. But we're not really seeing these policies uh, transformed into action. And I guess mm-hmm. the co- consequence for the Republican Party is that they're getting destroyed on the federal level. Uh, Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight elections. But the thing is, the way the American government is set up, they can still have power in the Senate. And because of that, they can have power in the Supreme Court. So even though a lot of Republicans aren't really list- in Congress aren't really listening to the- their base, they're still getting by because of the way America is set up. And I think our system is kind of flawed because yeah. if a party like the GOP can constitute a, ma- a minority by far and still have power in the Senate. So yeah, even if the majority of people support UBI, 
then I, I don't think it's going to get by. Just like so, ninety percent of Americans think we need like more strict um, gun like background checks or whatever. And when Obama tried to pass that, I think when there was a Republican-controlled uh, House, didn't get by. So that's a kind of flaw in the U.S. government, in my opinion. Yeah. So I guess we'll I think, have to uh, do something. Yeah, I think a big factor that played into that is gerrymandering. Um, districts are set based on their political views instead of population now, which is kind of sus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, gerrymandering but... is a huge flaw. Um, yeah, the thing is, when Obama got elected in 2008, like the Republicans struck back hard, and in 2010 with the midterms, a lot of Republicans took power. Then I guess I, I'm probably really biased, but I think a lot of Republicans kind of changed the rules in 2010 to help them gain more power, like gerrymandering stuff. Obviously, this is a problem on both sides. Like, if some amazing candidate, uh, like from the Republican Party, got elected in 2008, then Democrats probably would have fought back too and like gerrymandered district, districts and stuff. But yeah. I think the Republicans yeah. have been really corrupt lately, especially after the Obama era. And this is why I don't think we're gonna get any huge like liberal policies like UPI passed in a while. Yeah, Republicans Republicans are getting more and more corrupt. Mm -hmm. They, it's it's insane to see how politics has evolved and kind of failed us recently. Yeah, it's really sad. It's like it, I guess it started with the Obama era. Um, I guess I do have to admit. Obama was a little naive. He didn't have a lot of experience when he got elected as president, which kind of mm -hmm. hurt him, in my opinion. Like, whereas politicians like Joe Biden kind of knew all the senators and stuff. And that really hurt him because, like, Demo uh, Republicans in the Senate really fought back, but he didn't realize that. They, they tried to, like, block all of his bills and stuff. And, yeah, it really hurt him in the long run. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah we'll see how we can resolve that. Um, doesn't look too good right now, the current state in Washington. Like, only... Major like a minority of the Republican congressmen, they like, accept the results of the election. So we'll see. Yeah. But the good thing is that more and more people, more and more Republican congressmen are turning against Trump. They're leaving him because he's absurd right now. He's like <laughs> disputing the election every second of every hour. It's mm -hmm. just insane to think about. Yeah, I was actually really surprised when Mitch McConnell uh, conceded the election and congratulated. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. It's really surprised with that, but we haven't seen that from all politicians on the right, especially in Congress. And yeah, so I guess mm -hmm. going on to the federal government and how the federal government has been really dysfunctional lately. So what do you think about the government's COVID-19 response? So especially in America, that's been criticized a lot. So what do you think about it? Well, when COVID-19 started, I kind of like turned down all the politics because I it was just COVID-19 everywhere. But Trump's actions, especially when he like told the public the vaccine will be ready in a few days, in a few weeks, mm -hmm. he told that over and over again. And I think that really made the public trust him way less because he, he it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf situation. When he keeps saying it, no one's going to believe him. But I do think it's an appropriate response to not panic the public to mm -hmm. uh, kind of give him hope, but not in the way that Trump did, like hope. He, he kind of like went all in on hope, which is not that good. Yeah, and the really surprising thing about this whole COVID thing is it actually hurt Trump a lot. Like, as Trump actually said in like March or even February, like, guys, we're going to have to stay at home. We're going to have to sacrifice our freedom. We're going to have to wear a mask. He said that just to all the American people, we'd have a lot less deaths and the economy would be a lot better right now, which would help him because mm -hmm. the economy is like yeah. the number one determining factor in how people vote. But yeah. Hey, even. 
even when Trump got COVID, he he didn't make a big deal out of it, which it really was. Um, he he said it was no big deal. He said that anyone could fight it off. I think it's it's crazy to th- to see to see how a president is reacting so poorly to this huge crisis that he doesn't care about. Another really sad thing about that is a lot of the people who believe everything the president says are older people. And that's one of the demographics that the Republican Party dominates. It's really sad to see these older people, yes, listening to this man who's lying about the pandemic. Another thing is mm-hmm. he didn't wear a mask in public until July, which is just crazy. Like a mask is a no-brainer thing that stumps the spread of COVID-19. Like the scientists have proven this right away. And it's just really sad to see president thinking he can just disregard these um, public health policies that yeah. we, need to, we need to implement. Like everybody actually wore a mask and wearing a mask wasn't a controversial issue that half the population thought was communism, then there'd be a lot less deaths here. So yes, they're all, yes. The rest of the people who was wearing masks. Um, yeah, I think Trump has millions of millions of um, COVID deaths on his hands and which is really sad to think, to think, to think about. Mm-hmm. But I guess another big problem with this whole pandemic is that it's hard for like governors and politicians to find the balance between the economy and lockdowns. For example, uh, the governor here in Michigan has been criticized for guess, sacrificing the economy too much. And then she's been praised by, I guess, the left for implementing these kind of stricter um, lockdowns. So mm-hmm. what do you think the best balance is between lockdowns and, I guess, the economy? Because the economy is kind of in channels right now. And there's also thousands of people dying COVID-19. So how do you think we can balance this? Well, the in a recession, an economy, um, the, the one of the only ways that economy can be raised back to normal is by increasing the money supply. And I think um, right now we are doing half of that because the stimulus checks right now, we only got one, I think, during the whole year. Mm-hmm. They're planning to release another one, but it's not enough. We don't have enough money supply to boost the economy back to what it was. Um, so if we were to give everyone more money, uh, that would increase consumer spending. That would increase um, basically everything. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that with the lockdown, they can't go anywhere. People can't spend it. So if we were to um, have better prepared uh, for this pandemic, if we were ha- if we had a system of like, I guess, more online shopping that could could have worked better than what we have right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess an argument from the I've heard from many conservatives, it's actually a pretty good argument. Is that like there's a reason why people like Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates want these lockdowns? It's because it's going to benefit them. It's going to run these small businesses out. Like it's going to run them into the ground. Basically, millions of small businesses are unfortunately failing. But on the other hand, I think if everyone just took the virus seriously right away, then we wouldn't have to have these lo- as many lockdowns. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone just wore a mask and stayed at home for like a month or two then we would have far less cases and then therefore we wouldn't need as many lockdowns. But the good news is we have a COVID certified COVID-19 vaccine. So hopefully we can go back to return to normal life soon. But yeah. Also, especially about Jeff Bezos. Um, he, he's the owner of Amazon, I think. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not messing this up. Uh, he got exponentially wealthier during COVID. And I think there should be a wealth cap there. Yeah. There should be a wealth cap there. Um, the government should have placed a cap on, how much money a person can make uh, at the beginning yeah. of the pandemic. I guess Bernie Sanders think... has proposed like some tax that would tax like the, like the billionaires, like 60% of what they've earned over the pandemic. What do you support something like that? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Kill the rich, eat the rich. <laughs> yeah. So I guess 
yeah, so that's a pretty good. I also going back to UBI, like you could, UBI could be a solution to our problems with the pandemic too, like with the economy. But yeah, yeah. UBI would be hard to convince conservatives to uh, yeah. vote for that. But then, or another, we, sorry, we could have a system where um, because right now in Japan, uh, their response to the pandemic was to have negative uh, interest rates in banks, so banks would pay. People uh, money to take out loans from them, which stimulates the economy and boosts general overall general spending. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how that would work on a economy like ours. Yeah, our economy is very interesting. So I guess another interesting thing about you is that you've worked with politicians like Rapture Solomon in their campaigns, and you you said you support like it was like a grassroots movement. So what does grassroots politics mean to you? It's um, a start to taking down establishment Democrats. We are on the brink of a progressive era, and as uh, as younger kids who are more progressive gets older and gets uh, to vote, we are going to take down all establishment Democrats, and we mm. will replace it with progressive Democrats. Mm. So right. I guess Rapture was kind of a long shot candidate because Debbie Dingle has been in Congress, like in the House for like multiple terms. I don't know how many. So do you like when you were campaigning? Do you gen did you genuinely think you actually had a chance? We did. So Solomon Rajput uh, started his campaign by actually handing out flyers at his school. He was a medical student, and people were th uh, people thought he was running for student council, but he was in fact running against the biggest political dynasty in American political history because the Dingos had held the same seat, the same congressional seat for over eighty-five years, their entire family. Oh yeah, that's yeah. insane. That's that is crazy. Now, I guess this is kind of a uh, topic, but I really think there should be a term limit for senators and congressmen. Well, that's for another day. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we really thought we had a good chance because we had we built the nation's largest uh, congressional campaign in history. We had over four hundred interns and fellows all like putting in hours upon hours of work a week for him and all dedicating a huge part of their lives to him. But in the end, we 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 just couldn't do it. Yeah, that's the hard thing about. Uh, politics is that with the incumbent they have su such a large advantage but another thing that like that work is not put to waste like you can put his issues and ideologies into the mainstream and that's kind of what one of Andrew Yang's goals is because like Andrew Yang but realistically he didn't have a chance to get the Democrat nomination he had barely any experience but I guess we also said the same thing about President Trump but I don't think Andrew Yang had like, a huge chance but he was able to push problems like automation and solutions like universal basic income into the mainstream. So all your hard work for Solomon wasn't to waste. You got to push his issues and policies into the mainstream. And yeah, I, I actually agree with a lot of his policies and stuff. He's done a really great job with this campaign. I respect it a lot. So Thanks. what exactly do you do with your internship with Dunwading? And what, ex what exactly is Dunwading, first of all, the program? Uh, so Dunwading is... Um... I guess a political movement uh, where a bunch of uh, youths like me uh, gather and try to bend the system and change the will of the people. Uh, we have put in, we have made hundreds of thousands of phone calls uh, to various candidates around the country, and we are slowly kind of winning, I guess. It was a continu continuation of Solomon Rajput's uh, congressional campaign. Okay, nice. So I think everything so far is what we've planned. So now do you want to talk about some current events? So one of the biggest sure. things in the political world right now are the Senate runoff uh, elections in Georgia, which will be on January 5th. So for me personally, I think as of right now, 
um, the GOP is likely to win both seats, mainly because, yes, Joe Biden did win Georgia, but he barely won. And there's also a third party candidate who got like thousands of votes. So there were no third party candidates like the Libertarian Party. Joe Biden probably would have lost Georgia. So I yeah. think both the GOP, um, Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue will win. So what do you think about it? Fun fact, I'm phone banking for the Georgia election right now. So oh, you are nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm actually not that educated on the Georgian runoff election, but um, I the way I see it that it's the Democrats has a chance to win because everyone has heard of the election. Everyone's going to vote. And as long as the Democrat turnout gets um, is more, I guess, uh, than the Republican turnout, we will win. Mm-hmm. So I guess a big problem with these GOP candidates is there's kind of kind of cutting crossroads because there's the Trump Trump wing of the Republican Party who still thinks Trump won the election or they believe that the election was fraud, and there's like the other Republicans who aren't staunch Trump supporters but they tend to vote Republican just because they're obviously allies to their views. So what do you think like the best strategy would be for these for David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler because they could say oh, Joe Biden lost the election or in Trump won, or they could just concede and congratulate them. So they're, is, they're in a tough position. What do you think would help them the most politically? I say concede because I don't think at this point many Republicans believe that Trump still won the election. Sure, there's like well, a none huge of them have ever believed that Trump won the election. None, none of them have ever believed that. They're just saying what to, I guess, help their uh, polls. Yeah. No, I mean the people. Oh, like yeah. The general people, public. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if they say that um, Biden won, that gives a that I think that gives them more of a support than if they say Trump won, mm-hmm. because the public, after all, has some common sense. They're not like the extreme. Right? Yeah, I would like to think that the public has common sense, but like, yeah. only I mean, just, like, a lot of people still think masks don't satisfy COVID nineteen. So it's interesting, mm-hmm. but I guess another mm-hmm. big problem that's going on right now is polarization in America. So I guess out of the past three presidents, one of them was very polarizing, like purposely, Donald Trump. Then the other two, George Bush and President Obama, wanted to unify the country, but they haven't really succeeded. So do you think Joe Biden, who has ran on united in the country, will be able to unite the country? Of course not. Even even the Democrats hate him. I hate him. <laughs> he is he's a centrist Democrat, which is horrible. Um yeah, I think the, the the centrist Democratic Party and the Republicans should combine at some point in the future. And that'll lead the Progressive Party uh, to represent what is currently the uh, the Democratic Party. But Joe Biden, no, he won't do it. He, he won't do that much, especially with his age and everything. I mean, a good thing about his age is that he has like decade-long relationships with a lot of the senators, which will probably help him. But the other thing about him is that he's already united the Democratic Party somewhat, because like... He obviously had a lot of critics like you, a lot of progressives criticized him, like AOC, for example, or the Sunrise Movement. But he hasn't invited them to his task force, or Pete Buttigieg, he's already invited Pete Buttigieg to his task force. So I think he's done a good job unifying the Democratic Party, to be honest. He was seen as some like old, moderate dude that he wasn't very popular from the people I've spoke to, but he's done a great job so far, in my opinion. But how do you think we can unite the Democrats and the Republicans, or the conservatives and the liberals? I, I don't want to, I, I feel like we shouldn't unite. We should split as far as possible and just dominate, basically. Because the Progressive Party, as I said, as I said before, younger generations are going to grow older and they're going to feel more and more of the Progressive Party, kicking all other parties out. And 
Yeah, I don't think we will unify as a country. Yeah, interesting. I mean, at this point, unifying does seem really hard. Um, yeah, after what Trump did. Yeah, and also what happened during the Obama presidency kind of led to Trump because Obama himself wasn't really pol like just by nature, Obama was polarizing, being the first African American. That even if he didn't do anything, he would have been very polarizing just by being the first African American. But also, I guess the GOP kind of blocked him on everything. I think I feel like that really polarized America, and I feel like that's why Washington is so dysfunctional now. That just became normal, and it kind of led to somebody like Donald Trump getting elected because before he wouldn't have gotten that far into the election, and then. Yeah. If this was like before, I feel like a lot of Republicans would have switched to the Democratic Party and not voted for Trump like they have in the past, for like Barry Goldwater versus Lyndon Johnson. But yeah, now like our political scene is just so polarized that somebody like President Trump can get elected. So it's interesting to see what will happen next with Joe Biden. But the good thing is that the um, politics are shift is shifting left every year, which is mm -hmm. beneficial to I guess everyone. Soon, I, I don't think the Republican Party will win any other elections, like in a, maybe in a decade or so. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I guess the, w the way the American political system is set up, they're still yeah. in control of the Senate, which is kind of stupid, even though if they got like, I think 8 million West votes on the presidential level, they're still able to control power. And I think that's like a huge flaw in the, our political system, because people just point to the Electoral College, say, oh, maybe there's just one branch that's messed up. But my opinion, there's three, because let's look at 2016. Republicans won the House, the Senate, and the presidency, despite getting less votes in all of those. And they won the House because of gerrymandering. They won the Senate because the Senate's stupid and gives every state the same representation. And then they won the presidency because of the Electoral College. And because of that, they were able to win the Supreme Court, even though they had less, mm. millions of less votes. So they were able to control the whole government with getting less votes. So I think it's a huge yeah. flaw in our system. But yeah. Yeah, abolish the electoral college, replace it with popular voting, yeah, for choice sure. voting. For sure. They only made the electoral college because they um, the southerners wanted slaves to count, but they didn't want 